You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. Second Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 17. It says this, Now, if anyone is enfolded in, into Christ or in Christ, what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, Christ is the anointing. That means you have submitted yourself not only to the Savior, but to the Lord. That you've given your life. And so now you're resting under Christ, which is the anointing of God. You're resting under the presence of God. You're, rest, you're under it. You're in the presence of God. And he says this, he has become an entirely new person. That person's become new. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. What does he mean by that? I still look the same. Uh, you know, sometimes I think the same. What he's talking about is on the inside of us. You know, I always, I, the, the picture I always get, because God said he's translated us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I always think about Star Trek. And, uh, you know, when they beam them up and down, you know, from places. So they beam them up and they show up at another place. You know, the monocles float through the air. And in the spiritual realm, it's literally that. You're, you're living in darkness. You're, you're, you're on your way to hell. Your sins are being counted against you. And you're one type of creature on the inside. On the inside. And when you accept Jesus as Lord, he translates you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And now there's something totally new that didn't exist before on the inside of us. That's why he calls it born again. He said, you were born once, and when, we, when we're born in this life, we're born under Adam's curse. We're all, and we all come from Adam and Eve, so we're all born under Adam's curse. And our spirit is dead and dark. And we live for self. But when we're born again, now our spirit is alive with the life of God. And now God's Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Everybody say holy. holy. Remember that. Because that's what we're going to talk about. And he said, and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. That term reconcile is an accounting term. It's the same word we read before in Corinthians. It said redeemed, redeemed and reconcile. Both of those terms are accounting terms. That means someone had to pay for something to get something. Jesus paid. He paid God's price. What was God's price? Holy. God's price is holy. I said God's price is holy. And Jesus is the only one that could pay holy. He's the only one that could pay. None of us could pay holy. He paid holy. He paid. He paid the price for all of our sins, all the stuff we've done. He paid. Then it says this, in other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgressions. And he's, he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. He said, we are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. 
And so he's saying that once, you're, once you understand that your life has been purchased, that holy has paid the holy price for our sins, once you understand that and you receive it, now you have, you're an ambassador, you're a minister of that message to the world. Who's the world? Anybody that doesn't know Jesus. That's the world. Anybody that doesn't know Jesus is Lord, that's the world. I think it's interesting that when he says, when you become new, you immediately become a citizen of heaven. You immediately become not only a citizen, but you get promoted, and now you're an ambassador, and now you're a minister. People say, well, you're in the full-time ministry. I'm like, everybody's in the full-time ministry that knows Jesus as Lord. Everybody, you might, you might do a lot of other stuff, but everybody's in the full-time ministry. We're all called, and I, I think it's just interesting that instantaneously when he talks about us being new and born again, saved, reconciled, purchased with a price, that now all of a sudden we're all in the ministry. And I think that it's time that we realize that. We recognize that. No matter what position you're in, no matter where you work, no matter where you live, no matter what, no matter what the circumstances are, you're an ambassador. You're a minister of this message. What's the message? Jesus paid the price. Holy demands holy. Only holy can pay holy. God says of us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What's his glory? His glory is his is his mercy and his goodness. Moses said, let me see your glory. And God said, okay, I'll have to hide you though because if you see everything, you'll die. You'll just, you'll die. You'll just die, Moses. So he said, I'm gonna cause my mercy and goodness to pass before your eyes. And Moses only saw the backside of it. He couldn't see the full face of God. He only saw the back of it. And he said, oh my gosh, I see your goodness and your mercy. That's his glory. That's what, that's what his glory is, is his goodness and his mercy. Sometimes I'll pray and I'll say, God, for this to happen, it won't give you, it won't reveal your glory. It won't give you glory. No one will see your goodness and mercy in this situation unless you, unless you, unless you do something here. Only by you doing something will people see your goodness and mercy, your glory, and give you glory and thank you and say, God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. That's his glory. That's his glory. I pray like that. I don't know if you pray like that, but I pray like that. That God, I want people to see your goodness and mercy in every situation because I want them to give you glory. I want them to see your glory. He goes on to say, so we tenderly plead with our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on Christ's behalf. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. What is the righteousness of God? That means we're in now a right relationship. He sees holy, sees us as holy. Isn't that shocking? Holy sees us as righteous and holy. Now, we're going to talk about more why he sees us like that. Go with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. And we're going to start reading in verse 1. It says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah was in grieving. 
because he loved King Uzziah. And in that year that he was grieving, it says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. Now, it's real important that you understand that high and lifted up part and the throne part. There's a reason why God is on a throne and why he's higher than we are and he's lifted up higher than we are. Is There's a reason why we worship God and God alone. That nothing else deserves, can earn, or gets our worship. There's a reason. There's a reason. It says, in the train of his robe filled the temple. Man, the only time I can think about a train, you know, would be a choo-choo train. Or really, when I think about a robe train, I think about weddings. And I've done, I don't know, probably a, a couple hundred, I don't know how many hundreds of weddings. And there's been different types of dresses. And some ladies, they want a long, what they call train. Train. And, you know, some of them are real long and they're beautiful. And, man, they want all the bridesmaids to have to fix them up and smooth them out. And it fills, a, it fills the place and sometimes fills the area where they're standing. And I think about that, that God has a robe on and his, his train, the, the edges of his robe, his presence fills this whole place. That's what Isaiah is seeing. And there's a temple. He's seeing the temple in heaven. Where God's throne is and where he's high and lifted up. And then verse 2. Verse, there it is. Above it stood seraphim. Now, this is, this is the only time you'll see the word seraphim in the entire Bible. There's different classes of angels. They have different classes of angels. And this is the only time you'll hear this word. Now, it talks about them again in Revelations, but it doesn't use the name. It's the only time you'll see the name. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. Now, you're going to find out here in just a second why they cover their face and cover their feet. And so I, I just think it's really cool. I, I can't wait to see the seraphim angels that fly, you know, with two wings. And they have another set of wings that come and wrap around their feet. And another set of wings that they look at and see God through. That's got to be an incredible sight. Next verse, verse 3. And one cried to another and said, they're, they're, not, they're saying this about God, but they're talking to each other. And they're looking at each other, and they're crying three things. They're saying, holy, holy, holy. Now let me stop right here. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, love, love, love. Hope, hope, hope. Peace, peace, peace. Faith, faith, faith. Joy, joy, joy. Any of the characteristic, any characteristic of God. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Goodness, goodness, goodness. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere does it describe God with the same word three times except right here. And it's holy, holy, holy. This is vital. People who don't know this don't know Jesus. Let me say it again. People who don't understand this, what I'm about to explain, don't know Jesus, and he doesn't know you. That's a dangerous place to be. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Three times. The number three is the number of perfection. Perfection. 
The angels are saying, set apart, set apart, set apart, distinct, 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 perfect, 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 or flawless, 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 pure morality, pure morality, pure morality, pure, pure, pure. I mean, it's just, it's a repetition of what holiness means. High above, high above, high above, all things, all objects, all made and created things. He's above, he's distinct, he's set apart from everything. That's why he's high. That's why he's the God that sits above. That's why he's the God that sits on the throne. And that's why he's the only God and the only thing and the only being that we worship because he's above it all. And and why he's above it all is because he's holy. He's perfect. He's flawless. He's flawless. The whole earth is full of his mercy and goodness. Why? Because he's holy, holy, holy. His goodness is holy. His love is holy. His hope is holy. His peace is holy. His joy is holy. His salvation is holy. His character is holy. Every, every other attribute of God is holy. His holiness is what encompasses all of his other characteristics. It infiltrates every part of his being. Holiness is the key to really understanding and unlocking a relationship with God. Understanding that he is holy, holy, holy. You say, why do we worship him? He's perfect. He's set apart. He's distinct. He's high above. He's, he's, he's beyond our imagination. He's beyond our comprehension. He's perfect. He's flawless. 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 Verse four, and the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, the house was filled with smoke, and the house was filled with smoke. Next verse. So the angels, the seraphim are crying out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, and the posts are shaking, and the smoke, which represents the spirit of God, is filling the place. It's what Isaiah is seeing. So I said, woe is me. Woe means damned, doomed. In the face of holy, 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 Isaiah, the prophet of God, a good man, sees nothing but how holy, holy God is and how flawed he is. You know, you might wonder sometimes that you get, you get, you receive Jesus as Lord and then all of a sudden you start realizing, oh my gosh, this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. And I got, I mean, I cuss a lot. I, oh, I have, I have a lot of bad thoughts. Oh, I kind of got a bad attitude. Oh, I got, you start noticing all this. You know why? Because when the Holy, when you get him, when the Holy Ghost enters you, Holy is there and shows you What's wrong? And the closer you get to God, the more he shows you 
what you need to fix, what needs to come off of you. And the more you get that stuff off of you, the closer you get, and the more he shows you what to get off of you, the closer you get, and the closer you get, the more he trusts you, the more he blesses you, the more he honors your life, the more he pours out his presence on you. When you understand holy, 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 and that you're filled with the Holy Spirit who teaches you what holy is because we can't learn on our own. We're unholy. And he said in the face of holy, this prophet of God, one of the great prophets of God, falls down and says, I'm doomed. I'm doomed. I'm damned. I'm undone. His holy, he just shrinks He shrinks in the presence of God and he sees how great and holy and perfect God is and how small and little and insignificant and how big of a sinner he is. You can't know Jesus. He doesn't know you until you see this picture in your own life. When I see that I'm unworthy, when I see that I'm unworthy, then I see the great gift he's given me. Then I live with a different heart. I live with with a different attitude. I live in awe of the goodness and love of God and the grace of God in my life. I live differently. I think differently. I am different. So he says, whoa, is me, for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. He sees all his sin. And he said, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He doesn't just judge others. He judges himself. Man, he judges himself first like, oh my gosh, I'm so unclean. What I say is unclean. What comes out of me is unclean. What, all my life is unclean. I'm undone. And the only example I can think of is, is that, you know, Julie, on, for her 30-year anniversary, I had saved some money and I wanted to, to buy her a new diamond, 30 years of marriage. She put up with me for 30 years. She deserves something. <laughs> and so for some reason, women like shiny rocks. Some women like shiny rocks. I'm like, okay, well, shiny rocks cost a lot of money. And when you go looking for diamonds, uh, hopefully you do some study. I do some homework, and uh, you find out there's the three C's, cut, clarity, and color, and that you better understand those three things because Those three things are going to determine the big dollar sign on the end of it. And so they have a diamond called flawless, but any jeweler will tell you there's no such thing as flawless. But you never, I got, I'm just giving you some advice, okay, guys? Never show your wife flawless, high color, clarity, and cut. Never show her that unless you got the money in your pocket to buy that. Because when you look at that, and then you go back and look at something that's lower in clarity cut and color, you all of a sudden go, oh, yeah, I'm a diamond expert now. Yeah, that's, that's flawed, that's, that's not have the right color, and that's got all this, and oh yeah, let me look. Yeah, oh yeah, I, yeah, that's awful. But if you don't look at flawless, and you just look kind of where you wanna be, It's beautiful. So don't go there. Don't let your wife go there. Because even if you do get her a new diamond, she'll always be like, you know, that flawless one, that other one, that high, 
color, quality cut. That other one, woo, that was pretty. I'm like, well, well, that's not chump change on your finger. I mean, but you don't want to go there. Why? Because you're always going to compare. And only when you compare yourself to flawless can you see your flaws. I mean, you don't compare yourself when you start saying, well, I'm, I'm better than Cody. I mean, Cody, I'm, or he's better than me, or she's better than, oh, she's just so nice. I'm so mean. And, I, you know, and we start comparing, start grading sin and grading goodness on this scale, this human scale. Well, just a little lie. Man, I just told a little lie or a white lie. I don't know why they call it white lies, but uh, whatever kind of lie. And, but I told a big lie, a little lie. Oh, man, but Daniel, he's, he's good most of the time, and, and he's, he's better than most people. And, you know, and, but he doesn't do the big sins. And, man, they do the big sins. I just He's a pedophile. He's a murderer. I just do the little. I'm a, I'm a law-abiding citizen. I'm a good person. Listen, you compare anything to flawless, it's, it's marred. We have a tendency to compare ourselves to people and others and this and that, and we either downgrade ourselves or upgrade ourselves. Pride will upgrade you, low-level thinking and having a low self-esteem and insecurity, you'll downgrade you. But either way, God doesn't grade like that. He said all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all right here. Adolf Hitler and you and me are all right here. We're at this place. We're at this place. I said we're at this place. Equal. We've all sinned. All of us are flawed. But he is flawless, flawless, flawless. And we're not. So what's the price of sin? Sin can't exist in God's presence. He won't allow it. When sin popped up in heaven, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning in a third of the angels. People act like it was a big battle. He said it was like lightning in a flash, in a flash like a lightning flash. They were all gone out of heaven like that because sin can exist in the presence of a holy, holy, holy God. So we're doomed. We're undone. Woe to us. I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. What do we do? God always has an answer. God always has an answer. Because his wisdom is holy, holy, holy. His plan is holy, 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 perfect. Next verse. The Lord of hosts, next verse, verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal which he he had taken with the tongs from the altar. Everybody say altar. altar. Listen, there's always an altar. There's always an altar. In the Old Testament, there were three levels of the temple. And God said, you're going to build me a tabernacle. You're going to build me a temple. 
And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a shadow, a picture of the real thing in heaven. And I'm going to give you the plans for that. And he gave Moses, I mean, very, very specific plans, size, everything. He gave them plans. And he said, you build it like this. And so it had three different levels in the temple. The first level was the outer court. It was for people who weren't Jews to come to know God. They were out. So they came to the outer court. Then if you were a priest uh, and you were serving in the temple, you could go into what was called the holy place. You walked through a veil and you went into the holy place. And there was the menorah, which represents the light of God and the, spirits of the spirit of God. And then there was the incense table that represents the prayers of his people. And there was all these things in this room that in every one of them, everything in the temple had to be sprinkled with blood. Everything had to be sprinkled with blood. Everything had to be sprinkled with blood. For something to be set apart, something to be holy, something to be consecrated, something had to die to do it. In this case, animal blood. God instituted that with Adam and Eve when they sinned and they covered themselves in fig trees and they, they got, I guess, done a pretty good job and God came and said, no, that's not. That's not going to cover your sin. And he, killed, he looked for the closest innocent thing he could find. And he grabbed an animal and killed it and made them clothing and gave them. So cool. God made them clothes to cover their sin. And for generations on, they used the blood of animals to cover sin. But that's not enough to get in the presence of a holy God. And when those Old Testament saints would die, they wouldn't go to heaven. They went to a place called paradise, which is right across. It's a chamber of hell. It's paradise. But they can see hell from there. Luke chapter 6, they can see it. And they're not in heaven. They're not living in the presence of Almighty God for eternity because their sin was only covered. Only forgiveness, only holiness can get in the presence of God. So God had to sin holy. He had to sin holy. He had to send the Holy One, Jesus Christ. The Holy One had to spread, had to pour out His holy blood on the altar. There always has to be an altar. So they would come in the Old Testament to the outer court, to the holy place, and then they would walk into what's called the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God was. And there was an altar. And the only one that could enter in there was the high priest. And he would take the blood of a lamb, of a, of a flawless lamb, as flawless as they could get a lamb. And he would sprinkle that blood on there. And if he didn't do that, he would die instantly. He would die instantly. If you and I went cruising through there like, yeah, I'm just going to cruise right in here. Yeah, I'm going to see what's in here. Man, dead. Dead. There's always an altar between us and God. There has to be. And there's got to be blood on that altar. Because God is holy, holy, holy. No sin, no sin can exist. So when Jesus died, he didn't go to a man-made temple, tabernacle. He went to this temple and that altar. And he said, I am the altar and this is my blood. Holy, holy blood for the sin of mankind. I have paid the price. The price was holiness. For the price of sin. And his holy blood was poured out upon him. And he became the altar. So when the high priest would sprinkle the blood on the altar, then he could approach God in his presence and live. Now, 
because Jesus has come in. He went down to paradise and took Isaiah and all these other people from the Old Testament, men and women, and he brought them, and he brought them, and they were following him, and they followed him in, and I'm sure they were like Isaiah, like Isaiah had already seen it, like, I, I don't, we can't go in there. And Jesus like, we can go in there. We can go in there because I'm the altar, and this is holy blood. And they're like, oh, we get it. We, we get it. We get it. This is not a cover of sin. This is forgiveness. This is wiping out sin right here. This is total forgiveness. And Jesus went in and said, I'm the altar and I've shed my holy blood. And God said, holy. And, that, and then when they entered into heaven, he saw them through Jesus' blood, through the altar. They had passed by the altar and he said, holy, 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 forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. I'm going to throw your sins into the sea of forgiveness. As far as the east is from the west, I'm going I'm to throw your sins away from me. He said, I will remember your sins no more. Only holy. Only holy can do that. And man, when you don't have the realization of that, you start offering God's stuff. In Matthew, on the day of judgment, Jesus says he separates the lambs from the goats. And he said, I'm going to cast Satan and his demons into the lake of fire. And these goats are going with him. And many are going to say, many of those people are going to say, but Jesus, we did this in your name, this in your name, this in your name, and this in your name. You know what that is? I was good, Jesus. I was good, Jesus. I was good, Jesus. I was good, Jesus. Look at the good I did. Look at the good I did. And he's going to say, I never knew you. Because our good things are as filthy rags in the sight of a holy God. They're saying to him, I earned heaven by the good I did, not because of you. In 2 Corinthians, we read, he's the door. He's the only, there's a trillion ways to go to hell. There's only one way to go to heaven. Jesus is the only door. And he said, we have the ministry right now telling all of you that door's wide open. That door's open to you. When you die, that door is closed to you. When you're alive and breathing, I don't care if it's your last breath, that door is open to you. But it's only through recognizing that he is holy. And we are not, there's nothing we can do. No good work, no good thing, no good thought. There's nothing, we're flawed. Nothing we can do. We have to submit our lives the lordship and salvation of Jesus and his holy blood opens that door to a holy God to a holy place called heaven opens this door to a holy spirit to live inside of us it's the only way and they offer him on the last day of judgment. They offer him all their stuff. We cast out demons. We did this. We did, we did church. Guys, as long as you're treating your boss better than you're treating God, man, he's not, you don't understand holy. What do I mean by that? Man, I got to get to work. I got to get to work. I don't want to be late. But man, you're walking late here. We got to stop playing Christianity and playing church, guys. I stop playing. 
You spend 10 hours at work, you won't spend five minutes with God. Do you understand holy? Do you understand what he's done and the price that he's paid? Do you understand how much he loves us? That he would send his holy son to die for all of us, all the flawed ones, all the sinners, that he loved us even when we were flawed. He loved us and he wanted us to be holy. He wanted us to spend time, eternity in heaven together as a family. He wanted to bless our lives here. He wanted to teach us to be overcomers here of every issue and obstacle. He wanted to help us. He wanted to save us. He wants to forgive us. Do you understand holy? When I was studying this, I, I just had to stop. I'm reading these scriptures, and I just had to stop, and I'm just like, God, thank you. I know how flawed I am. Golly, thank you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that holy, holy, holy would come to earth and die for unholy, unholy, unholy us, me. Put the next verse in Isaiah. He said, he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity. That's the sins. That's generational sins. That's generational sins. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. Next verse. You notice it had to come from the altar. That coal represented the Holy Spirit, the fire of God. The Spirit of God had to touch him. He said, now, Generational sins in your family are forgiven. Iniquities, iniquities, and your sin is forgiven. He said, I, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. We started off in Corinthians. You're, you're purchased with a holy price. You're new and made holy in the eyes of God. Go minister. Go tell. Here again, we have a man who's forgiven of his sins. God said, who will I send? He said, here am I. Send me. People who understand the holiness of God and the forgiveness that we've received, they can't help but do ministry. They just can't help themselves. They can't help it. They can't help themselves when they fall flat on their face, running back to God. Because, man, he, he's a forgiver. If he'll forgive one sin, he'll forgive a million sins. And I can't run from him. I got to run to him because I know holy, holy, holy came to earth and died so I could be holy. He said, be holy as I am holy. How does that work? We'll talk about that the next couple weeks. But it makes me always want to run to him, not away from him. It makes me always just want to say, God, I blew it. I, I'm coming. I can't run away from you. I'm running to you. I can't stop telling people about Jesus. How do I stop that? When you understand this, you say, you say, here am I. Send me. Send me to my family. Send me to my wife and my husband. Send me to my kids and my grandkids. Send me to my coworkers, Lord. Send me. And I might not always have to speak it, Lord. Sometimes I just got to show them. Sometimes I just got to show them, Lord, who you are. 
how, how the difference you make in someone's life. I just, sometimes actions are just louder than words. And I just got to show them the difference. Here am I, Lord, send me. I believe God has called us to do a very special work in this valley. Sometime in November, we've mapped it out. We're going to walk Roswell, 35 miles. We're going to pray over this city, over our valley. We're going to break all the generational curses and all the junk. We're going to march around Jericho and see the walls fall. We're going to do that. You don't have to go the whole thing. You're thinking 35 miles. No, you don't have to go the whole. Every five will have a stop and a place to get to pick you up. But if you want to go 35, start training, man, because it, it's, it's, just, it's just a walk. It's not a run. But it's going, to be, it's going to be serious. And so, but I just believe we're supposed to walk the city and pray over it. I've never done it that before. I don't know anybody else that's done that. But I believe we're called to do it as a church. Because if God says, I need somebody, I need somebody, who, who can I send? Church on the move. I, I can't answer for every church. I just answer for our church. Here am I. Here are we. Send us, Lord. Send us. Here are we. Send us. We will go. Because we understand how we've been forgiven what we've been forgiven from and who we've been forgiven by. Listen, every eye closed. Wow, whether online or here. Man, I prayed that you'd get revelation, that God would give us all revelation of His holiness. He said when we get a revelation of His holiness, we get insight. We get insight. When we get a revelation, what's a revelation? It's like a light bulb moment that God would just show you he would just show you supernaturally just what he's talking about and what he's describing. And man, I'm trying to describe something that's indescribable. It's only describable by holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. That's the only way I, I can describe it. And I, but God can, can show you. The Spirit can show you. Maybe through this message you looked at yourself like Isaiah did and said, oh my goodness, the standard of heaven is holy, holy, holy. How, how, I can't, no one can do that. Well, I, I've got good news for you. Good news for all of us. God sent his son in the form, God came in the form of a man called Jesus Christ. And he was holy, holy, holy. Living as a man, he was holy, holy. Born of a virgin, he was holy, holy, holy. Holy. And died. And paid the price, his holy blood for our sin. A life had to be given, a perfect life. He paid that price so that we can be forgiven. A 
God sees us through his lens and his blood. Sees us as holy, forgiven, forgiven right with him. That he would open up the door of heaven through Jesus. He would open up the door for the Holy Spirit to come live inside of you and teach you. Teach you about holy. Teach you not only what not to do, but what to do. What to do. How not to live and how to live. It's incredible what God has done. And if you realize today, listen, I I don't want Jesus to look at me and say, "I, I never knew you. I just want you to know you can't offer anything good you've done. When I polled on the street, I did street ministry. <coughs> I took a poll every Saturday. And the number one thing people told me about, I said, would you, if you died today, would you go to heaven and hell? And they all said, well, I guess I'd go to heaven because I do more good than bad. That, that's a not, I never knew you. Because you, you never knew that you could never be good enough on your own. Never. No human being can. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. So if you're here right now listening, you're paying attention, or you're online, and you're thinking about this, and you're thinking, you know what? I've never really prayed like that. I've never really prayed and accepted Jesus as the Lord and asked him to forgive me of my sin and realize what he's done for me and how he came to save and rescue my life. And I, I want that. I want to go to heaven. I want to be right with God. And, I want the Holy Spirit. I want to be born again. I want all of that. I want God's will, His plan for my life. I want all of it. If you're like me, when I came to the end of my own life and the end of thinking that I was God and I could do it, and man, I, was, I prayed this prayer. It's the first prayer I ever prayed. So if that's you and you're online, I want you to send a message right now and say, I'm praying for the first time. In this room, I'm going to do two different things, but the first one is this. I'm going to ask you if you're praying for the first time. I mean, it's the first time you really mean it. It's the first time you understand it. It's the first time maybe ever you prayed like me. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to raise your hand, then put it down. Just put it down. There's no strings attached to it, I promise. So just do it. Take a step of faith and say, God, it's me. So one, two, three, raise your hand and say, it's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God, all over the room, thank you. Maybe you've prayed it and you meant it and you lived it. And then you just, something happened, something bad, or maybe just got pulled away by lust or something. And you just started running the other way. You ran away from this God that will forgive you. Instead of running to him, you ran away. and You're away right now. You feel away. You are away. And you just want to come home. He'll welcome you home. He'll forgive you. Welcome you home. So if that's you, if you need to pray for the next time, not the first time, the next time, online or here, online, send us a message. I'm praying for the next time I'm coming home. And here, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand too. One, two, three. Put your hand up and say, it's me. i got to get right with God. Yeah, yeah, all over the room. Oh, yeah, praise God, man. God's so good, so holy, and so good. Now, online in here, let's all pray this together, okay? Everyone that raised your hand, everyone that sent us a message, everybody else, let's pray with them. Say this. Say, God, I see 
the best I can. You are holy, 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 and I'm not. But I know I can be by accepting your sacrifice of Jesus, his holy blood, by believing that he did that for me and that you raised him from the dead and that he conquered sin and sin's punishment in this life, in the next, for me. I believe it. And because I do, God, by the blood of Jesus, I ask that you forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, I say to you, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. And I thank you now. I'm right with you. I know you and you know me. Teach me now how to be holy as you are holy. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, church. Can't celebrate anything better than that right there. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.